Hey, um, so um, anybody work from home? Does anybody work from home? Got a few of us. Um, so I'm privileged enough to uh, be able to work from home on most days. And I remember, um, uh, uh, you know, maybe like three weeks before we started our church, um, I really had to work from home because we were getting shipment after shipment. We were getting freight deliveries. We were getting packages nonstop. Like, like Amazon, somebody from Amazon was knocking at my door every single hour. Um, and so I remember like having to hop up, having to like get it. And working from home is usually pretty cool, right? Like you don't have to like really get dressed like that, you know, in the mornings. Like, you know, you can kind of lounge, you can be in sweats, you can be in, in basketball shorts and stuff like that. You don't have to battle rush hour traffic in Dallas. Can I get a hallelujah for that, right? Like working from home is pretty cool. But, and I remember like always having to hop up to get these packages that were coming in. And... I ended up, you know, the door ended up, the doorbell ended up ringing again, and I thought it was a package. Um, long behold, it was two women at the door, and when I got to the door, I answered it, and I thought it was a package, and it was these two ladies, and they were like, hello, sir, um, we're here to ask you about your soul, and I was like, I was like, my soul, they was like, yes, sir, I was like, who sent you? Like, like who, who sent you, right? Like, who, who are you? Um, but lo and behold, they were Jehovah's Witnesses, and they, they asked me, or they, they told me, like, I'm here to tell you that and to make sure that your works are good enough to be one of the 144,000 people that will make it to heaven. And I was like, well, ma'am, um, I'm sad to tell you that my works will never be good enough to make it into heaven, but thanks be to God that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for me, and the work that he did on the cross is finished. My sin is finished, right? My guilt is finished. My shame is finished, and heaven will not only be my home, but about a billion other people's home as well, too. Can I get a hand clap for Jesus, right? Like, this is Palm Sunday. We're going to celebrate Jesus getting out of, the, out of the grave next week on Easter Sunday. And so, man, I'm so, so like, th th this week and, you know, thinking about, you know, uh, so many different uh, perspectives and people's insights and what they believe about God and what they believe about heaven, where there's only a limited amount of people that can get there. But today, I want to tell you guys, church, that God wants heaven to be filled. Like, I really want that to sink deep, that God has an expectation that heaven will be filled. And God desires for Vive City Church to be filled. He wants heaven, all of heaven, to be completely filled, where there's no room left. And I'm here to let you know, God is a whoever kind of God, and we are a whoever kind of church. John chapter 3, verse 16 says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, that whoever, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter what you've done, whoever ever will put faith in Jesus will not perish but have everlasting life. God is a whoever kind of God and we are a whoever kind of church. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what you've done. You can belong here. You can belong here. 
God desires for Vibe City to be filled, but he desires heaven to be filled. And I'm here to let you know that there is room for you in heaven. Like, um, I, so I was reading an article, right? Like, um, I was reading an article a little bit earlier this week, and the article was talking about how, um, how suicide and te- teenage suicide attempts are like at an all-time high. Um, we've had uh, team members of ours who uh, personally just experienced a teen taking their lives. And it's so tragic. Um, I've been in and out of the hospital visiting with one of my beloved members. And life is so fragile. We've had multiple people on our team experience family members passing away. I'm here to let you all know that this life and this pain that we experience here on earth is not the end-all, be-all. God is preparing a place for all of us in heaven where there is no more crying, there is no more death, there is no more pain, there is no more anxiety, there is no more depression, there is no more sickness, there is no more disease. Y'all can shout me down whenever y'all are ready. Listen, God is, is, is all about us understanding that this life that we're living right now is not the only life that we'll live. There is an all eternity that is waiting for all of us, and God desires desperately for us to come to know him so that we can spend all eternity with him forever. I want to go to, um, I want to, go to, uh, to John, John chapter 14. John 14 verse 2. I want to read this out of the uh, New Living Translation. And it says, there is more than enough room in my father's home. And if this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? Another translation says that in my father's house there are many mansions. Do you know that Jesus right now is laboring for you. Like he's laboring in heaven. He is laboring for you. He's laboring for your family. He's laboring for your friends. He's laboring for your coworkers. He's laboring for the woman that has been abused. He's laboring for the guy that lives underneath the underpass. He is laboring for the teenager who got caught up at the wrong place at the wrong time. Why is he laboring? He is laboring so that you can have a place in heaven for all eternity. He goes to prepare a place for you. But but Jesus labors in heaven for the saints. But he expects us to labor on earth for sinners. I'm going to give you all that one again. Jesus labors in heaven for saints preparing a place for us. He's laboring in heaven for saints. But he expects us to labor for sinners on earth. Like he desires for us to share of his goodness, to tell of his story, so that more and more people can come to know Jesus. The harsh, grim reality of this world is there are so many people who die every single day not knowing that Jesus loves them. 
There are so many people every single day that, that are exasperated because of life and they are down and they are, are, are having suicidal thoughts because they're thinking that this life is all that there is to offer. But man, there is a God in heaven who is concerned about every detail of our lives and he desires to know his children. But the only way they'll know is if we tell them. The only way that they'll know the love of Jesus is if we tell them. So God desires for us to labor. So Jesus labors in heaven for saints, and we labor on earth for sinners. Get this next point. We will feel the vibe, F-I-L-L. We will feel the vibe when we feel for our city. We will feel the vibe. And vive means life, by the way. Vive means life. Vive means, it means life. It means long life. And man, to me, that represents salvation. And we will feel heaven when we feel the needs of our city. I told you guys last week that there are two million people in our city or in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex who don't know Jesus. There are 8 million people here in the Metroplex, and a fourth of them have no clue of the love of Jesus. And you know what? Jesus is preparing a place for the 2 million, but are we preparing a place for them on earth? We have to go out into the highways and the byways. We've got to go out to Deep Ellum. We've got to go out to... Um, downtown, we've got to go uptown, we've got to go West Village, we've got to go Lower Greenville, we've got to go to South Dallas, we've got to go to Oak Cliff. Why? Because they need to know that Jesus loves them. They got to know. They got to know. Jesus didn't go to the grave just so that we can have cute services on Sunday. He went to the grave so that people can have life Monday through Friday. So listen. I want you to look around again. Look around the auditorium again. So we did this last week, and there are so many seats that are available. We are right here in a prime location in our city. But every seat represents a soul. Now I want you to go to your neighbor, turn to your neighbor, tell them, fill it up. Fill it up. Maybe it's not somebody right next to you. Maybe you need to shout across the room, hey, fill it up. Fill it up. Fill it up. Listen, God desires for us to fill this place because when this place is full, we can be assured that heaven is going to be full. We got to be about our Father's business, right? Like it can't just be that we work a job and we make money and we take care of, you know, my wife, my, my daughter and and no more, right? Like us, us four and no more. Like it, that can't be our mentality. Our mentality has to be no, like more people have to know about his love. More people need to know about his grace. More people need to know about his mercy. More people need to know that God has a plan and a purpose for their lives. More people need to know that they have been fearfully and wonderfully made. People need to know that they are his workmanship. They have been recreated in Christ Jesus. They need to know that the old has passed away and the new has come. That all old things have been passed away and the new has come. More people need to know 
So now check this out. They'll never know unless you go. They'll never know unless you go. Like God wants us to be like, you know, kind of have some, some skin in the game, right? Like he wants us to be accountable for this thing because God is so good. He's so amazing. But will you tell of his story? Will you tell of his story? This is Passion Week. And man, Jesus was not ashamed of us. So we shouldn't be ashamed of him. Um, how about this? Jesus was beyond inconvenience, right? Like he was, he was tied to a post and he was beaten. Like he was flogged. They took a... a, a, a a uh, whip, right, like, and they had, like, it was a cat of nine tails, so what it was, they put, like, nails and sharp objects in a whip, and so when they, they whipped Jesus, the nails went into Jesus, like, the sharp objects went into his skin, and then when they pulled the whip back, it, it actually ripped flesh from his back, like, Jesus was beaten before he was hung on a cross, Like, he was beaten so badly that he wasn't even recognizable anymore. I would say that he's beyond inconvenience, but what's what's stopping us? Is it a busy week? Is it a work schedule? Is it, "Ah, I'm not sure, like, I don't want to push the gospel down their throats. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that lady, like, that Jesus freak kind of lady. Like, that's not my vibe. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be inconvenienced, but man, what if, what about Christ though? Like, like he, he actually, it says that, scripture says that for the joy that was set out before him, he endured the cross and despised the shame. You were his joy, but are you his? But are, is he yours? So for the joy that was set out before him, he endured the cross So if Jesus is our joy, we'll endure suffering so that more people can know him. So check this out. Um, More people won't make it here or make it to heaven because of, don't, like, hear me right, right? Like, like Jesus, his work here in the earth is kind of finished already. Like, when he went to the cross, he says, it is finished. He's like, yo, like, I have died for humanity's sin. I'm going to be resurrected from the grave. I have given them power over sin, over death, over the grave. I have done it all. I'm, I'm done. It's done. And I'm making my enemies my footstool. So what is he doing? He got his feet propped up in heaven as it pertains to the earth. Why? Because he's given us authority to finish the business that he started. So look, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 in the New International Version, it says, For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field and God's building. Co-worker means partner. It means partner. God wants to partner with you. What does that look like? Well, he'll actually tell you when we spend quality time with God, we learn in God's plan that he desires for us to have quality time with him. That, that we have quality time in prayer with God. And one of the things that he'll share with you during your prayer time is people who are in need of him. So he'll share with you, hey, your coworker is going through a hard time. She's always smiling, but she needs a savior. Hey, um, the, the guy that, 
you know, that's, that's in front of you at the grocery store, he's going to actually, like, he's got thoughts of self-harm, and he needs to know that I love him. Can you tell him? Like, that is us partnering with God. That is us partnering with God. God desires for us to partner with him so that more people can know him. If we don't open up our mouths, if we don't show the kindness of God or the goodness of God, how would the world ever know? And so God desires for us to partner with him. He desires for us to co-labor with him. So here's the deal again. God labors for us in heaven, but we need to labor for God on the earth. We need to labor with God on the earth. So I want to share another story with you guys about what it means to partner with Jesus here on the earth. Let's go to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. And I want to read verses 17 through 20 in the New Living Translation. It says, one day, while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. And it seemed that these men showed up from every village in all of Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. As the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up on the roof and took off some tile. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. So I want to give you three reasons to feel the vibe. Three reasons to feel the vibe. Number one is that God's healing power is here. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If the healing power of God was strong with Jesus then, man, you better believe that the healing power of Jesus is strong with us now. Can I get an amen on that? Like, anybody still believe that that Jesus is the healer, that he still is the one who died for our sin, our sickness, and our, our shame? Does anybody believe that by his stripes we're healed? Like, come on, somebody. Like, am I preaching to myself this morning, right? It says that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement or the punishment that was necessary to bring us peace with God was laid upon him. And by his stripes we are, we're healed. So the healing power of Jesus was with him then And God's healing power is with us now. The second thing is that sins are forgiven here. I am so amazed that since we've started, since January 27th, 77 people have surrendered their lives to Jesus right here at Vive City Church. Can we make some noise for Jesus? That is amazing. So sins are forgiven here just like sins were forgiven in this passage And number three, I really want you guys to get this. God is more powerful than paralysis. God is more powerful than paralysis. Let me me just take some time to unpack this passage. So So Jesus came into town, and every time Jesus was around, big crowds always followed after him. And Jesus goes into this house. And as he goes into this house, 
word spread, yo, Jesus is back. Jesus is in the neighborhood. And so many people came to this house. They packed and crowded out the entire inside of the house. It was a line outside of the house. Like, Like everybody was crowded this house. And so there were there were four guys who knew that their friend needed the Savior. He was paralyzed. He couldn't move. And so they carried their friend for, for miles to get to Jesus. And when they finally got there, they were a little late because they had to carry a full-grown man. And as they finally got there, they realized that they could not make it inside to Jesus because of the crowd. But I love it because they were so determined to get their friends to Jesus, they wouldn't let anything stop them. So what did they do? How did they do it? They scaled the house. And they got up on the roof. In some way, somehow, they got a paralyzed man onto the roof of a house. Can't stop won't stop. And that needs to be our mentality when it comes to winning the loss. No matter what it takes, no matter how hard or difficult it may be, no matter what paralysis my friend may have, I can't stop. I won't stop. I will not allow you to die. I will not allow you to go to your grave not knowing Jesus. I'm going to do all it takes. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to live out biblical truth in front of you. And I'm going to get my friend. I'm going to get my family. I'm going to get my loved one. I'm going to get my neighbor. I'm going to get my coworkers to Jesus. So they climbed up on somebody's roof, and they didn't even know whose roof it was. And what did they start doing? They started to tear up this man's roof. Like, can you imagine? Like, did they have tools? You know what I mean? Like, like, can you imagine this? Like, they get up on a guy's roof that they have no idea. Who, like, who, who is this guy? Like, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. All I know is that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Tzitzit Canoe, he is in the building, and I'm going to break up this roof so that I can get my friend to Jesus. And I love how the Scripture details it. Like, I mean, can you imagine Jesus is teaching and, like, ceiling tiles are, like, starting to, like, fall down on his head? And, like, there's a room full of people trying to hear from the Savior, and I'm sure the homeowner is there, too, right? Like, these ninjas then, like, and then they lower him down, the Scripture says, right in front of Jesus. They lowered him right in front of Jesus. And Jesus stopped his whole message. You know that your faith can stop Jesus right in the middle of what he's doing? Come on, man. Right in front of Jesus, and he stopped, and he paused his message, and he was like, man, like, I don't know who y'all are, but, man, your faith got my attention. And he immediately tells this man, your sins are forgiven. He says, he says, because of their faith, we don't even know if the friend had faith to believe, but on the account of their friends, he got forgiven. Man, that's amazing. So, but check this out, though. Paralysis is anything that keeps us away from the power. 
What keeps you from Jesus? What keeps your friend from Jesus? Come on, what keeps your parents from Jesus? What keeps your loved ones from Jesus? What keeps your coworkers from Jesus? What keeps, what keeps the people that, are, that, that you hang out with from Jesus? What keeps them away? Is it fear? Is it fear? Is it church hurt? Come on. What is it? What keeps your inner circle away from Jesus? What keeps your cousins away from Jesus? What keeps them away? I'm here to let you all know that your faith, despite their paralysis, can engage them with power. What keeps them away? And it could just be that you haven't invited them because they haven't been in a long time and you know how they live in. These people, look, I love Jesus because it says, first, he forgave his sins and then he healed him. We think in our minds, oh, you got to get cleaned up before you come into the house of God. But, but no, they lowered a man down that was still in his dirt. And because of their faith, the presence of Jesus and his power forgave him of his sins and healed him. Man, I wonder what could happen if we would just simply invite people to church. You ain't even got to get up on a roof, bro. Like, front door is wide open. Chances are there's a seat for them too. So check it out. We have to be willing to go to any length to see the, set, to see the law saved, to see the law set free and delivered. And next week, I am, I am believing God that next week for Easter, we will continue to see Vive City Church Field. And a, a message centered around our Savior will be preached, and I am in great expectation that people will be saved, people will be set free, delivered, and their lives will never, ever be the same. I am expecting the lost. Jesus said he came to seek and to save that which is lost. People that are well don't need a doctor. People who sick are, they, they need a doctor. And so check it out. We've got to make sure that we have the right attitude towards the lost. We ought to make sure that we have the right attitude towards the lost. And so I want to, I want to, I want to talk about a story here. I want to tell you guys a story. Um, and it's the story of the prodigal son. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible because I can relate completely to this story. Now, before we, we unpack the story, I want to talk to you guys. There are three main characters in the story, and we can identify with, with two of the characters, definitely not the third character, but we can identify with at least two of the characters in the story. So the first character in the story is an oldest sibling. Now, the oldest sibling in the story represents the church or judgy Christians. The second character in this story is the youngest sibling. And the youngest sibling represents the biggest sinner you'll ever meet in your life. Y'all picked yourselves yet? And the third person in this story is the father. And the father represents God Almighty. So here goes the story. So one day, the youngest boy, the youngest boy approaches his dad and he says, hey, dad, like, 
like, look, man, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of, like, living the rules. I'm tired of, like, you know, doing things your way. I'm tired of my judgy brother always criticizing and critiquing me and putting me down. I want my money, the same money that you were going to give me when you die. Yeah, that money, my inheritance, I want it now. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if your child approached you with that? Like, like, this kid was basically like, I don't, like, I'd rather you die so that I can have what you were going to give me. And so the father's like, and I'm sure he's perplexed, and I'm sure his heart is broken, but in the middle of his, his pain, he's like, okay, son. He was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to actually give you your inheritance, and I'm going to give your brother his inheritance as well, too. They both got inheritance. They both got it. And a few days later, Scripture says the youngest boy packed up all that he had, and he left town, and he found the most lit parties around. He found, he found the most sinful environment to engage with. There was, Patron was being passed, right? Like, they were, they were constantly drinking Hennessy. Like, they were constantly smoking. They were constantly lighting up. All that they did was party. He partied so much that his liver couldn't take it. Like, he was shutting down completely. Like, like this guy was so high, he was so out of his mind, and he found himself wasting all of his money on prostitutes. And he woke up one day, and everything that he had was gone. Now, this is a Jewish family. I need this to really sink deep. Right, like, so there was the blessing of God on Jewish people. So we're not talking about a couple hundred dollars that his daddy gave him. Like, his dad probably gave him millions. And this man made it rain so tough in the club that he lost all that he had. And when his high went away and when his, his buzz faded out, he found himself starving because a famine had hit the land. And he's, he's like processing. He's like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. Anybody like this, I'm so crazy. you like, if I don't change my life, I'm going to die. Like, I already know it. Like, I know my life is not, I'm not going to make it. And so this guy, he's processing, and he's like, man, like, I'm not going to make it. I'm out here living wild. I'm out here doing God knows what. Like, like what am I doing? I'm, gonna, I, I'm hungry. I don't have any food to eat. I've lost everything. Everybody has abandoned me. Life is hard. My whole life is messed up. And what did this guy do? This guy went and start working in a pig pen. Again, he's Jewish. He has nothing to do with pigs, and yet he's serving them. It's interesting that our sins will take us further than we wanted to go and keep us longer than we wanted to stay. And so he ends up in this pig pen and he's serving them and he's so hungry that he's actually considering eating the slop that he's responsible of, of feeding the pigs with. And in a moment's time, he comes to himself. And he's like, man, like, like, I might not deserve to be in my dad's house anymore because I know I did him wrong, but maybe I can go back, and maybe I can work my way back to good graces, and maybe I can get, maybe I can do just enough to be a servant in my dad's house because servants are eating better than his son right now. 
And so he begins to make his way back home. And he's rehearsing his story. Anybody know what it's like to rehearse your story? Like, you know your mom about to, like, beat your behind, and you're trying to, like, oh, man, like, what am I going to say to her? Like, I know I, I, I didn't jacked up. Like, oh, let me not say it that way, because if I say it that way, she definitely going to kill me, or my dad's definitely going to kill me. So he's rehearsing his story, and he's trying to get his apology speech. And as he's on his way home, the Bible says that from a long ways off, the father sees him. And I'm, I'm processing this, and I'm like, how does the father see him from a long ways off? It's because the father never stopped looking for him to come home. And so he's out in the porch, and his dad, like, I, I imagine that he raises up off of the porch, and he looks out, and he's like, I think I see my boy. And, and his son is constantly trying to rehearse his speech. Dad, I'm sorry. I, I, you know, he's, he's processing it. He's like, like, I'm sorry. I know I'm not worthy to be your son. And next thing you know, the father takes off and begins to run after his son. And, and, he's, and he's got love in his eyes. He's got compassion in his heart. And he begins to make a beeline towards his son, and he runs after him him. He's going hard after him. And this is how God goes after sinners. He runs after them with love in his eyes and compassion in his heart. And he began to run after his son and he makes it to his son and he throws his arms around his son and he can't stop kissing him. And his son is like, dad, I don't, I don't deserve any of this weight. Like, let me explain. And he's like, shh, be quiet. And he gets him into the father's house. And he tells, him, he tells his servants, hey, go get a robe and go put it on my boy. Even when he was dirty, he still smelled like alcohol. He still smelled like marijuana. He still smelled like all the prostitutes that he had been with. He had never gotten cleaned up. You don't have to get clean before you make it into the father's house. And he began to call his servants. And he tells them, go put a robe on my boy. What was he doing? He was clothing him with righteousness. And the son is like, Dad, you don't understand. I don't deserve any of this. And he's like, no, 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 be quiet. Hey, go get my ring. And his servants is like, are you sure, your ring? He's like, yes, go get my ring and put it on my boy's finger. What was he doing? He was restoring his, his royalty. You see, we are not to be defined by our works, our worth, is in our royal bloodline. We are joint heirs with Jesus. And he put a ring on his finger, and he put new shoes on his feet, and he tells his servants, go kill the fatted calf that we've been preparing for this day. Do you know that there is a feast in heaven that God is preparing for every sinner when they come home? And then he tells his servants, turn up the music. We bought the party in this place because my son, who was dead, is now alive. He has made it home. And this is the attitude that we have to have for the lost. I love it because the father never stopped looking for the son. And we cannot stop our pursuit in looking for the lost. Everything that we do. We serve in the parking lot for the lost. Come on, somebody. My man Dylan out there with the signs flagging people down saying, hey, like you belong here. You are loved. You matter. Why? Because we do it for the lost. Whether it's cold outside or it's raining, we do it for the lost. 
we show up and we're unloading a box truck at 7.30 in the morning. Why? Because we do it for the lost. We do it for the lost. So check this out. There's another character to this story, though, isn't it? There's an older brother. And the older brother represents what a lot of churches are in our society today. He's out working in the field. You see, you can't work for your salvation. The party was in the house, but he's working in the field. And he's working in the field. And he's like, he's like, oh my gosh, what, what is all this racket? What, what's all this noise that I'm hearing, guys? Like, what, 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 what the heck is going on? And he storms into the house, and he asks, asks a servant, what is happening? Why is this music so loud? Why is there a party? Everybody should be working like me. Nobody should be partying. Why are they partying in my dad's house? In case you haven't noticed, the biggest party on the globe should be in the house of God. Y'all too quiet for me. I say party and y'all like. The biggest party should be happening in the house of God. And so this, this guy was so disturbed that there was a party. And he's asking the servant, why is there a party happening? And the servant was like, oh, you haven't heard? Your brother is home. And your dad is throwing him a party. We even killed the fatted calf. And he invited the whole neighborhood over so that we can party. And the older brother, is, he's furious. He's like, I've been doing everything the right way all my life. All my life. I've done it right, Daddy. Like, I gave you everything. And he's furious, and he approaches his dad, and he's like, I can't believe you. I've done everything right. I've, I've always done the right thing. I've always made the right choices. I work hard. I work harder than anybody. And his dad was like, son, Everything that I have has always been yours. Why are you mad at your brother? Because he's been away from what I have, and now he's home. And I want those words to sink deep in, in your hearts today as well, too. That everything that God has can be the lost in one decision for them to come home. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. You can belong here. And if we'll feel the vibe, we'll feel heaven. And God desires for us to feel his house because he wants all of heaven to be filled. 